With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production, and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family-owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Oh, one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your exile. Agent Podcast, John Miller, along with Rob Howe, the weary Rob Howe. And Rob... You are a beat reporter there in Iowa City covering the beat, and my gosh, uh, from the start of November, especially to this year with the early signing period, this has probably been one of the busiest 45 to 60 day stretches you've had since you moved to Iowa City. I'm wagering nearly over 20 years ago. Yeah, it was. I kind of like a lot of people that are involved in this. I don't think right. anybody really, really knew what to expect with this early signing period, but I guess, you know, logically if it's happening the same time as, you know, football teams are preparing for bowls and basketball teams are playing, you know, two to three games a week. Um, yeah. If you're in, if you're in that position, it gets pretty hectic. And uh, Iowa had a lot of moving parts in this recruiting class late in the process. And um, you know, it's uh, it's not done yet. Kirk talked today about, uh, you know, that next phase. And I'm really interested to see, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'm interesting to, interested to see what, uh, you know, when the dead period ends on January 11th, I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, what the stretch before the February signing period is going to be like. Yeah, I tweeted something like that on Wednesday morning as well, just to see, you know, I think some kids maybe are going to learn lessons the hard way, and I, I don't mean to be flippant when I say that. Um, some coaches and schools are making learn lessons the hard way. This is a this is a learning process. I, I think that you know for the kids who are elite four and five stars that didn't sign, it, you know, business is probably going to be as usual. But I bet there could be some three, maybe even borderline four star kids who wanted to go someplace. And maybe the bus gets a little more full early on because now some of these kids can't be poached by other blue bloods 
And obviously, we're still talking about a a zero-sum game. There's still the same number of scholarships available to FBS programs as there was a year ago. It's just there may be some schools that run out of room potentially uh, because of this, although you wonder if they'll just go ahead and run them off if they're from the SEC. But just a lot of unknowns still. Yeah, my one concern would be for a school like Iowa, Wisconsin, schools that do a really good job of scout. Michigan State, they do a good job of scouting those three stars. Mm -hmm. And Urban Meyer talked about this today on the Big Ten Network, and he's complaining like a baby, That and people are supposed to feel sorry for him that he's, you know, I'm going to lose guys to the NFL, but I don't know who that is yet, and then I have to go and find players. Yeah, tough luck, buddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But he is good, you know, he and other blue bloods as we call them will be hunting for kids and i just wonder supply and demand how that's going to shake out i really don't know i mean i think there could be guys like you know i'm trying to think of a, a guy that iowa got late um that that ends up going to ohio state in that january period where iowa thinks they may have a guy mm-hmm. and gets in the verbal commit like towards the end of January and Ohio State's, oh, yeah, that guy. Or, mm-hmm. you know, some, another school that's maybe where a state where that kid's from and, and he decides he wants to stay closer to home. I just think there are a lot of moving parts there that will be interesting to see how that shakes out in January. And then, as Kirk mentioned today, with all the complaining that, that's going on uh, with the early signing day from the voices that that get heard, what type of changes will we see going forward into next year? One one change that I think is going to help Iowa is that in the spring, I believe it's in May and June, kids can start taking official visits before their senior years. Right. That's really beneficial to Iowa. No doubt, because you got a much better chance of having a nice sunny day and green colors then as you do when, you know, the first few weekends of December traditionally have been Iowa's bigger official visit weekends, at least before the last few years, when more and more officials have taken place in season, which we know Kirk doesn't like. So no doubt about it. That absolutely will benefit Iowa. And I've enjoyed every single article that I've read the last week from Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and those blue blood guys saying how much they dislike this early, this, you know, early signing period. Uh, love seeing their tears because. And it also helps the trickle down, John, of the Mac schools losing players. You know, it, 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 it's that, it, that trickle down effect or even FCS schools that lose players because the, you know, in the, on the food chain, the school or the level of uh, school above them loses a player to the school that's a level above them. And it just kind of, I just think this brings more stability. I'll be interested in the long run if it brings more attrition. Um, and, you know, I think of a, a kid like Van Ginkle who ended up going to South Dakota State for a year um, and then ended up transferring to one of the junior Iowa Western, and then he ended up at Wisconsin. But if there's more movement like we see in basketball where guys go to lower levels because they sign early because they haven't had a chance and then they realize or, or maybe are told that they could play at a higher level if there becomes more transfers in football. You know, we're still, again, we're still talking about the same number of FBS scholarships available. We're just, sure. we're just time shifting them. So it's not like all of a sudden fewer kids are going to get an opportunity. It's just going to change the dynamics of when I, I think that some of these, you know, say three-star kids that didn't sign 
right now, I actually think that some of them may improve their lots in life, which is, I think, what you were referring to earlier. So at the end of the day, it's still the same number of scholarships that are available each year, you know, depending on how the classes are. Uh, it's just we're time-shifting them, and it's a whole, new series of dy- a whole new series of dynamics. But as far as Iowa is concerned, you know, they – I, I think by and large now have the and I haven't been on Twitter the last half hour so Rob maybe you've already tweeted about this. There were three kids that um, Iowa had yet to uh, announce at their press conference. Although I think that they received their uh, you know received their letter of intent from. Are those guys uh, in 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 the in the fold yet? I'm going to leave this to and I kind of tweeted this. I'll let those guys announce okay. it. Um, from what Kirk said, and people can connect the dots. Um, here's Kirk's quote from today. Some of the players have signed but haven't released their information sure. yet, so we're not, we're not going to share that. We've discussed it with them. We're certainly going to honor the request not to share until they choose to do so, so we're going to do that. So okay, very good. People can connect the dots. The three players are D.J. Johnson and Julius Brents, D-backs from Indiana, Indiana. Indianapolis, excuse me, um, and, and, uh, Calvin Lockett, the wide receiver who went to Marcus Pascal's, uh, or right. is, it plays for the high school where Marcus Pascal coaches. So people can, uh, kind of just keep an eye on that. I think there'll be news probably, uh, relatively soon on, on those guys. They just want to have ceremonies at their school and do it their way. And that's certainly their prerogative. It's a, it's a once in a lifetime deal. And I know you didn't ask, um, knowing that, uh, that stuff was going on. Well, I just I didn't know if the, those three had made their announcements yet or not, so I didn't want to leave any stones unturned. As you know, you're off Twitter for a half hour; you can the world can pass you by. Uh, Especially today. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's go to today, Rob. Um, let's let's just start with I think one of the, in my opinion, the bigger pieces of news on this day is Iowa picks up a. Um, a signing day somewhat surprise commitment surprise in that I don't think you or other folks thought he was going to go today. And that's a defensive back from St. Louis, Hazelwood Central High School, Dallas Craddeth, uh, a four-star player who had some pretty good-looking offers. And from everything I'd read this week, it sounded like it was going to be, you know, he wasn't going to sign this early period. But lo and behold, I see him tweet something out, and then Iowa tweets something out, and he's a part of uh, Swarm 18, if you will. Yeah, it happened quick, and uh, I was surprised because I've I enter you know I've been in contact with him throughout the month. Uh, he officially visited here a few weekends, and then officially visited Illinois last week. Uh, he still had Indiana, Nebraska, and Wisconsin um, in in the picture with him, and. I think he just really connected with the guys that were on the official visit with him. All the other commits from this Iowa class were on that visit the weekend he was here. And he really just watching, you know, the tea leaves of, of social media and watching his interactions with other guys in the class. I had a feeling he was leaning that way, but he was pretty um, consistent with saying that. That he wasn't, he was going to wait till February. Kirk said today that, you know, they had been pushing for this. They wanted him to sign in the early period and they, they recommended that. I'm not saying they said, Hey, if you don't sign, your offer's not going to be there anymore because he was pretty upfront with the coaching staff saying he wanted to wait. I just think he felt like this was the right place. And it's not like he's, Iowa just jumped in here. They offered him in March of 2016. They were his second offer 
for after home state Missouri. Um, and Iowa has been consistently recruiting him. He's been on campus a bunch of times for games, unofficial visits, tailgates, things like that. He was just real deliberate with the process and wanted to find the right spot for him. Um, and he's a kid that, uh, I saw at the opening in Chicago in May and, uh, you know, got an, uh, it's hard to tell football player wise there if they're going to be physical enough, but just from a, a st- coupling the film that I've seen of him and his physical nature and his speed it's got pretty good straight line speed i really was impressed with him at the opening with his ability to cover they don't separate a lot of the dbs in those in those in that type of format um a lot of safeties are asked to do coverage in those drills and things like that and he did a really good job so i think it's a good pickup for iowa it's a it's a kid from that st louis that heavy st louis 2018 class that was just among the best in the country uh, and, and among the best ever in that St. Louis area, and Iowa was able to pull the guy out of there and one they're really happy with. Yeah, I mean, it's, I saw some other Iowa commits like uh, Tyrone Tracy and even DJ Johnson, who's yet to uh, officially make his announcement. You know, DBU, DB University at Iowa. You know, Iowa has really done – a pretty amazing job the last three to five years and even longer than that with their development of secondary players. And, you know, obviously Desmond King's career at Iowa was fantastic, a Thorpe Award winner, and what he's doing this year in the NFL is pretty amazing and making a lot of organizations feeling pretty stupid for passing up on him. And, you know, obviously Josh Jackson this year leading the nation in receptions. Uh, uh, a consensus All-American first-teamer uh, was Josh Jackson. I was putting together a pretty good run, and if you're a aspiring defensive back, it's probably a pretty decent place to land. Yeah, and even in recent, you know, in addition to those guys, Micah Hyde is a pro bowler now. Mm-hmm. Another two star that came, came here pretty much under the radar was a high school quarterback. And, uh, you know, and you just go through the years of, you know, guys that have, have made it to the league. Slave, and Fletcher. Prater. Yeah. Um, you know, Prater. going back to Considine, he's, Phil Parker's been underrated in, in, in regards to what he's able to do in developing defensive backs. Cause a lot of those kids weren't really highly rec- Tyler Sash, the late Tyler Sash is another one that, you know, a lot of those guys weren't, didn't come in here with, you know, a, a really, uh, deep pedigree. They, they kind of came here and developed most of them. I remember seeing Bradley Fletcher, the, the spring game before, he came to Iowa, so it was like, you know, he was going to enroll in Iowa that a couple of months later for the summer. And I saw him out in the parking lot, and I'm like, this kid is a skinny toothpick. What in the world? And then by the time he leaves, you know, then he makes it to the NFL. So, yeah, they do a pretty pretty good job. There, there are a number of interesting stories and questions, but th- there's there's two players I want to bring up. Oh gosh, there's more than that. Let, let's go to the the, the flashy position. Um, Spencer Petrus, quarterback from San Rafael, California, Marion Catholic High School, former high school of uh, golf. The guy who played California, and now he's in the league. Six five, uh, two twenty five. You and I were texting last week when I'd seen I seen you tweet about him, and I went and looked at his film on Huddle. And it's probably one of the most exciting quarterback films I've ever seen regarding a player that Iowa was involved with. And then about 30 minutes, you kind of like threw water on me and said, you know, the, uh, here's a story from like an, you know, a, a Western, a West Coast newspaper with quotes from him saying, you know, he's now saying he's going to stay committed to Oregon State. And you just got done talking to him and you happened to be working on a story about him. And I didn't even know that you were. 
And then lo and behold, a, a week later, less than a week later, he winds up coming to Iowa. Yeah, I'm Debbie Downer. <laughs> that was all I, me. I believe you, you had reason to be. Yeah, and there was chain reaction. Somebody threw water on me, so I threw it on you, and uh, <laughs> that's how that worked out. But um, yeah, um, and Kirk talked about this, and I, I followed this from you know from afar here in Iowa City. Um, that and we will have Spencer on our big hour on the radio show do, I do on Fridays. We're yeah. recording this on Wednesday, but this Friday, six o'clock six o'clock Central on uh, sixteen hundred in Cedar Rapids. Um, We'll have Spencer on to talk a little bit with us about kind of what he went through from, but from what I saw from afar, um, Ken and, and Kirk made fun of him today. Ken O'Keefe kind of is very deliberate in his quarterback analysis and he went out the end, you know, as soon as the season ended, Thanksgiving got over, season ended, he went out and went to Texas, Utah and California. Um, you saw Matthew Baldwin in Texas. Um, they offered a couple days later, Ohio State offers. He commits to the Buckeyes, so he's off the board. Um, Zach Wilson in Utah and then Spencer Petrus, uh, from Northern California. Um, and they offered all three of those guys and just kind of were hoping that they would be able to get one of them. You know, fast forward, it got to the end. Petrus comes, visits, uh, uh, it was kind of a, um, a hectic visit for him because he had a playoff game that Saturday night. He came in the Sunday when a lot of those other recruits left, so he didn't cross paths with them. It's kind of a rushed visit. He was half asleep, he said, during most of it because of, you know, jet lag and all this other stuff that's going on. Um, really liked the visit, but I think there was pressure there for him to stick with Oregon State. He put that in the Oregon paper with the Portland Tribune, I think it was, that he was going to stick with Oregon State. Then we contacted him. Um, and he said, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I just want to think about it some more. Fast forward a little farther. Zach Wilson, the quarterback from Utah, decides he's going to take an official visit. He announces that, I think, on a Wednesday or Thursday. We did a story on him visiting right. here. Wake up that Friday morning where Wilson was supposed to visit and Petrus had already committed because <laughs> he saw, and that's the, that, that's one of the new aspects of this early signing day we were touching on earlier, John. There is more pressure now with that sped up timetable, especially for quarterbacks where there's usually only one per class that Petrus knew that he wanted to, he really liked Iowa and that, that kind of, I don't think it forced his hand, but I think it just kind of sped up his decision-making process to where, okay, if this Wilson kid goes there, likes it and commits, I'm stuck and, and I don't get a, that option anymore. So that's kind of how that all unfolded. Uh, I like Zach Wilson a lot too. Ironically, Oregon State offered him uh, like two days after that because they lost Petrus and he also got offered by Cal and I think he's a kid that's probably going to wait till late period and he'll probably work out well. I think O'Keefe did a really good job of identifying three mm-hmm. quality quarterbacks very very late in the process, and they got a good one with Petrus. Yeah, that film was pretty uh, pretty fun. Now, those two names, you know, maybe a little more sexy than this next one, just because you know we've known of this one for a long time. But this name I'm going to mention, I think there's no question he's going to have the biggest impact on Iowa's 2018 season from any member of this recruiting class, and maybe even the season after that. And that's um, Davian Nixon. Defensive lineman uh, via the was it Iowa Western Community College. Yeah, from Kenosha, Wisconsin, Indian yeah. Trail. Then he went to Iowa Western yeah. for a year. Six five two ninety five. Alabama came in and offered. I, I think Iowa may have been saved from losing him due to the uh, you know national letter of intent rules because just with everything that went down back in 
in August when he couldn't enroll in Iowa, but Iowa stuck with him and helped him out, and 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 he was going to be able to be eligible as long as he took care of his requirements. Um, this guy's that this guy's going to play right away. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, Kirk pretty much went as as you know. As forward as Kirk will be in these situations, to, he won't. He, you know how he plays these close to the vest and doesn't want to anoint anybody. But if you heard him today, you you expect to see Davion Nixon in that defensive tackle rotation. And honestly, John, I think he would have been in it this fall had he gotten here. Um, it was a position where they they were young and inexperienced, and uh, budget was banged up a little bit. And you know Lattimore, they moved Matt Nelson there, Riley. Or uh, excuse me, Brady Reef was kind of. They were all kind of feeling their way. Um, I think I think Nixon would have gotten gotten into that mix. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Jaleel Johnson and a little bit of Christian Ballard. I'm not saying he's going to be those guys before people start jumping on that. I just see some pieces of both of those guys in this kid. He's a he's 305 pounds, and and Western used him a lot at defensive end. If that gives you an indication, and and now people say, ah, oh, that's junior college. They play at a very high level at junior college um and, and if you watch his film he's very athletic i think once he moves inside um he, he's going to be a he's going to be a problem for for opposing offensive linemen and i think you know you look at this defensive line and what they've put together here um you know uh, you know when you think when you consider you know nelson anthony nelson parker hesse aj epinesa um you know Lattimore nixon Lattimore, Nixon, um, it goes on and on. Uh, I think, um, I think Ranks, Sam Franks had a really good year. No doubt. And got better as the season went on. Um, I thought Reef started to get better as the season went on. They're just, I know they're going to miss linebackers and that's going to be a soft spot next year, but you certainly don't mind that as much when you return what you do and what you have on this defensive line. And I really like Nixon. I liked him coming out of high school. I thought he was under-recruited. But the grades were a right. question for him, and I think that – that kind of spooked some people off, and I was really stayed with this, as you said, and I think benefited from it. This is the deepest defensive line. I'm not saying the best. It's definitely the deepest of quality players that they've had in the Kirk Ferentz era. I, I don't know that there is another one that's this deep. Again, I'm not saying the, the average star ranking or quality level of the depth is the best. I'm not saying it's not either. By the time we get done with next year, we could be singing a different tune, and a lot of those guys will be back for 2019 as well. I think I think, I think you make a great point. I think you could say 2004 obviously was is the that's the benchmark for starting defensive lines, yes. and then 2010 also exceptional defensive line. But depth wise, no question in my mind, this is as deep as they've been. They've only ever been six, maybe seven deep ever before, and that's a stretch. They're eight deep eight legitimate players deep, maybe even a little deeper than that. And I think that when you heard, and you were there at Phil Parker's press conference, I don't want to steal too much away from recruiting here, but this will dovetail perfectly. You were at Phil Parker's press conference a couple of days ago when he started talking about maybe some different defensive alignments that they might be able to play next year, and that's bringing another safety onto the field and removing a linebacker and playing kind of a 4-2-5 uh, package. The only way you can do that. And the only reason you would do that, too, 
is maybe you feel you'll be a little bit more, you've got a little more horses at safety than you do linebacker for next year with losing the three linebackers. But you first and foremost, you believe your front four can get pressure on the quarterback and stop the run with just the four guys up front. And that's what they're going to have next year. Without question. And I think they've recruited at safety in mind with guys that could um, be that hybrid um, and, you know, in place of the Leo linebacker, you know, whether it be, uh, Amani Hooker or, or, you know, Craddock, as we talked about, he's that type. Uh, they brought Colbert in last year, um, as a safety and moved him to linebacker quick. I think they've kind of been transition, transitioning to this or at least having this in their mind for several years now. Um, and it's smart. I mean, that's just, it's kind of, you got to combat what these offenses are doing these days. Um, and the, the base three, four, isn't always the best way to go, um, and we've seen that we've seen that going years back with with linebackers on receivers. But I think having that ability and versatility to to counter that a little bit is is certainly a smart way to go. No doubt about it. Continuing on the recruiting thing, John Wagner, uh, incredibly highly rated prospect to start this recruiting season. His list of offers was, you know, I would say he would be among the ten most. Um, Let's see, how do I most pedigreed offer lists of any Iowa high school player that I've seen in near 20 years I've been following this. Uh, he wanted to then decide to postpone his decision from July to later on in the season. And then, Rob, I, th- I think people's boats start filling up. I, and I don't know if it wasn't maybe the best senior film out there. I've heard some people say that. But, you know, long story short, he winds up as an Iowa Hawkeye. And, you know, he's the type of player that, Maybe a few years ago you wondered if he wouldn't have a chance to sneak in and play a little bit, but thankfully because I was so deep, he's going to get a red shirt. Do you, did, do you, did you see his recruitment wane towards the end? Kind of go through the story as you know it with Wagoner. Yeah, I, I've gotten to know Tom Wilson, the coach at West Des Moines Dallin Catholic over the years with the various, uh, quality recruits that he's sent to Division One colleges that I was recruited and some they've gotten, some they haven't. And, in speaking with him after John committed, um, he said, you know, he learned a lesson during this late, you know, with the early signing day. Um, he and his coaches had been, you know, encouraging John to focus on his senior season and not worry as much about recruiting. But he said, in hindsight, you know, Rob, if I, if I knew what I knew now, I would have had him take official visits during the season just to get a better feel and not waited till December because they won their fifth straight state title. It really pushed his recruitment back almost into December before he started to look at things. And then when he started to do the rounds again, as you said, schools had filled up at his position and he was left uh, with fewer options. So that, that was, a, that's a lesson I think that, that a lot of high school coaches and prospects in that area and, and as you said, he was a highly regarded prospect, but there are a lot of highly, highly regarded prospects out there and schools are going to take the guys that want to get, you know, want to join them as quickly as possible. So, um, it worked out because I think Iowa was there in his, you know, in the, in the forefront of his mind throughout this process. I think they were one of the favorites the whole time. He just wanted to be sure by taking other visits and, and checking out these other schools. I think it worked out for him and I think it worked out for Iowa. Um, but certainly lessons to be learned on, on both sides with this. And, uh, I like his ceiling. He reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, Jared Klaus, I know who's a friend of yours coming out of Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Jared was a, a defensive end that moved inside and was an athletic defensive tackle. I could see that as a possibility for John. He's not super fast coming off the edge, but he's strong and powerful from top to bottom. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he develops when, when Doyle gets a hold of him and see what type of, uh, you know, what type of development he has in the weight room. And, and maybe he is a guy that, that jumps inside depending on what type of uh, depth is in front of him. Uh, at defensive end. Last, last for me, and then you can talk about some others. Um, Tyler Linderbaum from Solon, defensive lineman, very athletic kid. Um, this is the one that really makes me feel old because I went to high school with his mom and I played high school sports against his dad. So that puts me at old man stage right about now. He, again, very athletic for his size, multiple sport athlete. I, I think that this... I think he's kind of one of your Iowa chip on the shoulder, underrated kind of kids, even though I think he's a U.S. Army All-American, just didn't have the offer list that um, I think that he's going to wind up deserving when people look back on him and say, wow, we, we didn't see that. Yeah, and I think his early commitment to Iowa and just his proximity uh, being right. in Seoul and Iowa City, I think a lot of schools, you know, I think he got a, he, he was offered by Iowa State and Minnesota, I believe, but um, I think he would have had a, more attention had it had it, his recruitment gone a different way. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, I've gotten a chance to see him compete uh, in wrestling, track and field. Um, you know, and football. I think he played um, baseball too. Yeah, he plays baseball too. He's a, just a real stout interior guy. He played center, uh, for Solon as well. Uh, just real good leverage, good pad level. Um, really powerful kid. The wrestling certainly helps him a ton on the football field. And I was had a lot of sec- success with that in the past. Um, I, I think he's he probably a couple years away um, before, and, and I don't think they need to rush him at this point anyway, but uh, I, I would be surprised if he's not a contributor uh, relatively early in his career, maybe maybe third year in the program, somewhere around there. I think he's, uh, and he may he may out, you know, he, he may out, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he could uh, exceed that estimate too, I think, if, uh, if things break right for him, because uh, he's nasty too. I've watched him play. He's got, he plays with a chip on his shoulder through the whistle and with a mean streak. So, yeah, I like him a lot as well. Yeah, his dad, I would say, would fit that nasty. I, I hated, hated playing basketball against him. Just he, he just never stopped, never stopped. And I mean, I mean that as a compliment. It's not nasty as a cheap shot. Just like, oh crap, I got to go play. It'd be like going up against Nicholas Berry, wear your butt out. Sports have been in the news lately, and not necessarily because of the outcome of the game. Truth is, sports have always been about more than the game. Playing sports was the first time many of us ever learned what it was like to work as a team, or the first time we unlocked that competitive spirit. Listening to and watching sports triggered our imagination of what it'd be like to be a part of the starting lineup, playing alongside our heroes, or we made memories with our dad, siblings, and friends. Being a fan is special. It's a bond you have, not just with the people you watch with, but with the team you follow, too. So when you fly that team's flag on Saturdays or Sundays, or walk by the wall banner in your basement or office, or see another flag flying around town of your team's rival, we know it's more than just a flag. It's an emotion. It's a memory. It's your fandom manifested. And if you don't have a flag to fly, well, let us help you with that. Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has nearly every flag from every team from every sport. If you're in central Iowa, shop our store at 3719 Southwest 9th in Des Moines. Or shop us anywhere in the world, heartlandflags.com. So, you know, Rob, you, you've talked to all these guys, you know, so I, I've, I've touched on some of the more 
you know, surface names. What, what are some names that you think people maybe should be really excited about, pay more attention to, even though they might not have gotten all the uh, press clippings? Well, I'll start with uh, I'll start. I'll go in alphabetical order to hear him, and I could probably touch on all these kids yeah. to, to some degree. But uh, Dylan Doyle, um, you're obviously familiar familiar with the Doyle families and Chris and strength coach for Iowa. Um, his two older, um, I think his one his his oldest son is a grad assistant now with the Hawkeyes. His Middle son wrestles at Harvard, um, and Dylan was considering going to Harvard to play football. Um, Iowa came in with an offer. Obviously, uh, that's too much uh, to, you know, can't turn that away as a kid that grew up, you know, in the shadows of the program uh, with his dad. I really like him, John. I've gotten to see quite a bit of him, obviously, him being in town here. Um, reminds me of that prototypical Leo linebacker for Iowa, a kid that just can play all over the field. Tight ends. He, he's really good in coverage. He understands what offenses are doing. Um, reads his keys really well. He's a sure tackler. Um, I see him, you know, run run with tight ends, run with receivers, uh, with with pretty with with ease. And, and granted, he's not playing high school football. Um, you know, in a in a in a state where there are blistering speed guys that he has to get in coverage with, but you can see the blueprint there. He's, he's gotten bigger each year that I've seen him just progressively gotten bigger. Um, he's one of those kids and this shouldn't surprise you with his dad, but he doesn't eat fast food. He's, he's just like, he's, he's got this regiment where his dad probably gave it to him. He's followed it to the T and he is a physical specimen and a really good athlete. And I'm excited to see, I think he's a kid that can, contribute really early on special teams and then kind of work his way into a linebacker position that needs help right now with the graduation of the three seniors this year and they haven't been they haven't really filled that position a whole lot in recruiting in recent years so not be surprised to see him kind of break through and maybe even get in on special teams this year and and have a chance as a, as a second year player to, to break into that lineup at linebacker boy they sure could use will honus the uh junior college linebacker they're looking at but that one seems yeah, like it's going to go into february in february right yeah, it could. He's, I talked to him last night a little bit, not talked to him, message with him. No, these kids don't like to talk anymore. It's all DMs and texts and all that stuff. But I'm used to that with my kids, so um, it works out well. But, yeah, he said uh, Wisconsin jumped in with him recently. He has till January 15th, um, unlike the high school uh, signing period, which runs today being Wednesday the 20th through the 22nd on Friday. He has between today, the 20th, and January 15th uh, to sign his letter. So he really does not need to rush hmm. here. Um, so Nebraska is in the in the picture. He visited there last weekend. He visits Iowa the weekend before with that big group of recruits. Um, uh, Wisconsin's probably a factor. And Kansas State has been a factor, but with – with Bill Snyder kind of being flaky here today and um, not committing to coming back next year, yeah, uh, that could certainly affect their their standing with Honus, whose brother is a student at Kansas State and he's from that area, so that certainly would make them a tr an attractive option for him. Yeah, you, so you were talking to Doyle. I, I slowed your roll down if you want to go through alphabetical order. Samson Evans, one of the more intriguing athlete commitments Iowa's had in a long time. I mean, there's this guy is your quintessential everybody's all American high school player, just did a little bit of everything. 
Yeah, I got to see him before the Michigan State game this year. I went up to Crystal Lake, uh, Illinois. He played at Prairie Ridge along with another guy we'll talk about in a little bit, Jeff Jenkins, his offensive lineman, and uh, was just really impressed. He's a Kirk compared him to what he remembers Ed Hinkle being uh, coming out of uh, Erie yeah. Cathedral Prep because um, Ed was a quarterback in high school, and Iowa thought he could be a safety. They thought he could be a receiver and even possibly a running back. Um, I was going back and forth on receiver and running back with Samson Evans, um, and I could kind of see I like him better at receiver, but I also, if you use him, you know, the, the, a lot of uh, – um, programs now and, and systems use running backs as receivers from the backfield and motion and things like that. And hopefully Iowa continues to expand uh, what it does offensively and, and throw some wrinkles in there. And I could see him as a kid that can line up at different spots of the field. You get him the ball and he can make plays. He's, I, I ran for like 4,000 yards or something like that. And it may have, maybe I'm selling him short. Maybe it was like 6,000. His, his statistics in his high school career have just been ridiculous. And when I saw him play, really good vision with the ball. He's a strong runner, uh, cuts well, uh, pretty good footwork. He throws the ball pretty well too. Um, so, you know, you never know. You put him in a position where he can, uh, has an option to throw the ball a little bit too. You can do some different things with him. I like, he's just a, he's just a solid football player. I think they got a good one with him. Yeah. I mean, he just did, did a little bit of it all. Why don't you jump over then to, you know, Jeff Jenkins, his high school teammate from Prairie Ridge there, 6'4, 270 pound offensive lineman, also a commit. Yeah, and he plays tackle. Um, and I, I, I think he's better. He'll be better at the next level at, at playing guard. Uh, also play defensive tackle. Just a really str- good motor. Uh, he put on, I think he told me 40 pounds from his junior to his senior year. And it's all solid. If you see the kid, it's not, there's no waste there. It, it was done the right way. He, he, speaking of, of Chris Doyle, he got a program from him to follow. And you can tell that he's followed it really well. Uh, um, uses his hands really well. They used him, Crystal Lake Prairie Ridge used him to pull as a tackle quite a bit. And he's really good on his feet and his ability to, to get out there in space and make plays, um, and, and, and find guys to block, you know, on that second and even third level. So I think if you move him to guard with his ability to move as well as he, cause he's, he's at about probably two, where they list him at? 270. 270 yeah. Yeah, I think he puts on 20 more without much problem. He's a, he's a legit six. They list him at six four. He's legit legit that height. So I think uh, another year or two in the weight room for him, and he's a kid that uh, I think is 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 definitely intriguing. I could even see him playing center, John, at some point if uh, if he puts on enough strength because he's a smart kid, um, and uh, I think he has the ability to move inside and even play center as a possibility for him. Normally, by now, we would have already talked about uh, a pretty salty running back. But we're, you know, 35 minutes in, and we haven't yet. Henry Guile, um, 6'1", 215-pound back from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know that, that a Badger offer ever materialized. But, you know, this kid's tape on Huddle. I say tape. It's whatever. His video on Huddle, um, good-looking kid. Yeah, and he didn't have a Wisconsin offer, which surprised me. But Michigan State offered him. Um, I'm trying to think some other, you know, schools on that level uh, with Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin. He had a good number of those of those schools interested in him. I saw him at the opening in Chicago. Um, really well put together kid. Um, pretty good hands. Watched him in some passing drills. He caught the ball off the guns pretty well. Um, he's not a guy that you're going to see 
run a lot side to side. He's a he's he's not impatient. He's a patient runner and he hits the hole very well um, and has good vision. But he's not a guy that's going to move side to side and make you know make the. Def- Fender's myths much. He's more of a where's the hole? Let me find it and go. Reminds me, I, I comped him to uh, Adam Robinson. Reminds me a little bit of Adam Robinson in that it's not not a lot of not a lot of uh, flash there, but but I would expect him to be pretty productive, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him play. Um, Next season, I didn't think we, we. I don't think any of us thought Ivory Kelly Martin would play, but I could see Henry getting getting into the rotation, especially with the long term uh, um, diagnosis. I'm not sure what the the you know the future holds for Tokes and Ken Rabadi. Um, Kirk talked a little bit about him today. Um, he he had. Um, I'm not going to get into this too much because the family wants privacy, but he had a beyond football situation uh, this month, and uh, so his future could be in doubt. I don't know if it's long term or what, but I, th- that makes the the addition of Guile even that much more important in my mind. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Um... Cody Ince from Wisconsin. Four four Wisconsin kids in this class, more, the most so far of any state. Yeah, and they hit. They've been hitting Wisconsin pretty hard the last several years. They got uh, Cooper and and, and uh, uh, who else? Oh, uh, Gersande, the punter, punter from up yeah. last year. Um, but yeah, Ince is is kind of similar to Jenkins, um, another kid that plays basketball. Um, Jenkins, I believe, plays basketball. Ince. Uh, Jack Plum, another guy in this class we'll talk to, talk about in a bit. Um, you know, offensive linemen that play basketball, really good feet, um, can move really well. And that's what Iowa looks for. They're, they look for a different type of offensive lineman than Wisconsin or, or, or schools that get those big 325 guys. Um, he's definitely an inside guy in my mind. Um, and he's played, uh, pretty small school football in Wisconsin, so there'll be an adjustment period, but he's another guy that I could see, um, at guard and, uh, possibly center as well, depending on how he develops. One thing I forgot to mention with, da- uh, Davian Nixon earlier, the, uh, junior college transfer, he has four years to play three. He played this year at JUCO, which only there for one year, so he has three more years of, uh, on-field eligibility, but, uh, he could afford a redshirt in there if something happens to him medically or gets nicked up um and everybody else that we're talking about are going to be uh, incoming freshmen next year riley moss gray shirt right out of ankeny he is and he they tweeted his commitment today and it threw me off yeah. normally they don't do that with gray shirts so i tweeted out like an idiot because i'm half asleep um, that he's going to be in the in the summer and then thankfully he he contacted me and said no i'm still a gray shirt uh i signed my uh my acceptance papers with the school today and that allowed iowa to to release his name but uh so remind everybody what that means gray shirt uh gray shirt means that he will come here um as a walk-on uh whenever he decides to enroll whether it be in the summer or the fall semester um he doesn't get to participate with the team uh in any regard he can use the facilities and and you know things like that but no training table and then he will go on scholarship um in january of 2019 basically a year from now yeah and join uh join the team um noah clayberg did that from pella who's now transferring out of the program but he did that a couple years ago um 
Van, Matt Vandenberg was supposed to do that. Right. Uh, Julian Vandervelli was supposed to do that. And I still think, depending on how this class fills out, there's a chance that he could still, right. uh, he being Riley Moss, could still end up with a scholarship and be in here in the summer. But another athletic defensive back um, from Ankeny Centennial, um, like his film a lot, he hits hard, uh, runs well, pretty good in coverage. Um, just another guy. I think they're building up that defensive backfield and going to sift out, as we were talking about early, John, guys that maybe can move up and, and do some different things and have more versatility in that defensive backfield, maybe to, to have some sub packages. Um, so all the depth they get there is uh, is good at this point in my mind. Jack Plum, a 6'8", 250-pound offensive lineman from Green Bay. This kid did have a Wisconsin offer, six eight two fifty. So I'm thinking if he'd have gone to Wisconsin within three years, he'd be six eight three fifty. <laughs> uh, not sure what they'll get him up to at, at Iowa, but boy, six eight's going to be pushing pushing the limit of, of how tall uh, Iowa has had at offensive line under Kirk Ferentz. Kyle Callaway was pretty tall, but I don't know if you've any had any six eight offensive linemen. No, and he's, uh, he, again, another good athlete, as we talked about earlier, his ability to play basketball. He played travel team basketball right through, you know, this past summer um, at a high level up in Wisconsin. So um, really good athlete. Um, it's hard to project him because um, he played tight end in, in high school, but he, you can see the ability there. Um, he gets off the ball well, um, good hands. Um, there's going to be obviously a development curve here for him switching to, to tackle. He's what, what they list him at, 250. 250, so he's going to have to get with Doyle. And uh, But I, I really like the upside here. I had him as, as my highest upside in my superlatives today because I just – I, I, I watch his film and see the edge that he plays with, um, and see the footwork. Um, you know, just his hand, like I said, his hands, his feet, um, and, and also my, uh, history with Iowa's ability to turn tight ends into pretty good offensive linemen. I, I think, uh, he's got a chance to be really good. A side note with him, uh, his maternal grandfather is Fritz Shermer. Um, longtime defensive coordinator. Uh, he was with Green Bay and, and uh, several other NFL programs. And his paternal grandfather is Ted Plum, who was an assistant on the Bears Super Bowl winning team. So he's got a pedigree there um, and been around football his whole life. So it uh, will definitely be interesting to see how he develops in the program. You know, Iowa had a guy in the recruiting class in 1999, 20 years ago, um, <laughs> who was six seven, a six foot seven, 240-pound tight end that uh, – Turned into a pretty good left tackle at Iowa and Robert Gallery. So six seven six eight, it's only an inch. Yeah, and I mentioned Gallery in my piece today, and I said I'm not saying he's the next Gallery. Yeah. We're not saying that, but I mean the potential's there. He's a he's a. I would say coming out of high school, he's a better athlete than Robert was. Um, but then there then again, there's only one Gallery when it comes to you know <laughs> Hawkeye lore. Well. When you and said then, na- nasty earlier about Linderbaum, yeah. Gallery is the name that comes into my head when you say that. So Nasty, yeah. Him and Bob Sanders, that's nasty. Jeez. <laughs> Two guys in the same freaking team. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, Terry Roberts, athletic defensive back from Erie, Pennsylvania, talked about uh, Erie earlier, Cathedral Prep. I can't remember if Cathedral Prep is that, – that, that, was that Hinkle or was that Bob's? That's Hinkle and Bob. Jovan oh, yeah, was both from – them, right. Was from, uh, what's the other school yeah, there? I can't think me. about it. I know people are going to be listening to me and saying, yeah, you're an idiot, but they're, they're, um, are, they're already doing it. They're like, come on, guys, <laughs> get right there. 
but yeah, and, and interestingly enough, um, Hinkle is a is a assistant coach at Iowa City Regina, so he wasn't involved in this. And Bob, I believe, is living in Arizona, possibly. Uh, but Jovan Johnson still goes back and has. He goes to Erie a lot and does a lot of work with kids there, gives back to the community, uh, runs a lot of uh, training camps and things for high school athletes and younger. Um, and he really turned Iowa on to Terry Roberts. He, he contacted Phil and said, hey, I think this is a kid that, that you'd be interested in. And, and Phil, they brought him in for camp during the summer. They were really impressed with him. He's a really good athlete. If you watch his tape, um, he plays both sides of the ball and he looks like he's running at a different speed than everybody else on the field. And, and it's not a low level of, of high school football where they play. Um, Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania is some of the best high school football you'll find in the country that's, that doesn't get mentioned with the Californias and the Floridas and Texas and what have you. But, uh, I really like his speed. I'll take some development to see, um, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not saying he's the next Josh Jackson. I think they're a little bit different body type. But when Josh came out of high school, Iowa was kind of torn whether they wanted to use him on the offense or defensive side of the ball. I think they look at Terry Roberts and they can see both of those both sides as well with him. Um, and that's because he's done so much on both sides of the ball. But he once he gets to Iowa, he's going to need to concentrate on cornerback. And I think there'll be a little bit of a development time there. But I really like... You know, his back pedal, his hip action, uh, he closes on the ball well. Um, he seems to have good read and recognition on what's going on, and he, and he likes to hit. Um, as you can imagine, coming from uh, Western Pennsylvania, where the, the, they're they're known to lay the wood out there a little bit. Mercyhurst, that was the high school. I looked it up. Uh, okay. Mercyhurst. I wouldn't have remembered that one actually. So I thought that was the. I thought you were going to tell me that was the high school for all the right moves. Uh, no, that's uh, gosh, what was that guy's name? <laughs> oh, I just had it in my head. I thought about it literally 120 seconds ago when you're talking about Pennsylvania. Steph, Sean Penn's Steph, Steph, Steph uh, Georgievich, right? Yes, and Sean Penn's brother's in that, and he's trying to. Con- he's yeah. going to USC, and then he gets the girl pregnant, and he can't go yeah. to USC. Yeah, can't go to USC. <laughs> like that. That's been a long time. Um, couple, just two more here. Uh, Noah Shannon, six foot one, three hundred pound defensive lineman from uh, Aurora, Illinois. Maybe he should be more excited about this guy than you know. Finally, just getting to him in forty six minutes into this podcast. Yeah, he's a. He's a Haas in the middle. Um, they got, they're lining some of those up. Yeah, they've really addressed defensive tackle. Um, they've, they addressed end, uh, the last several years and they've really focused on tackle, uh, this year. Um, and he reminds me kind of of a bigger, not quite as athletic Tyler Linderbaum, but it's not, he's just, he plays, you know, low to the ground with, with, with great force, gets off the ball really strong. I saw him in Chicago at the opening against some really good offensive linemen, some of the better offensive linemen in this region, um, and he held his own and, and won quite a few battles. Um, you know, strong, really strong lower body, um, and at 300 pounds already, he's a guy that could probably get into that mix relatively early. Um, I'm interested to see because those defensive tackle spots are going to be kind of up in the air, and it's hard to play early on. But I could see guys like Linderbaum and and Noah Shannon perhaps redshirting this year and then really hitting the ground running that next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arkansas offered him Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas State, Michigan State, Minnesota, Missouri, Purdue, Rutgers, Syracuse, Virginia, Washington State, among others. And I think – yeah. 
the Fleckmeister uh, kind of pushed him into a spring commitment, but uh, he backed out of that and then flipped to Iowa. Yeah, I mean, I read something today from Tom Dienert uh, of the Big Ten Network saying, I'll pull it up here, he tweeted out, he's like, I've always wondered why a kid can't sign a national letter of intent whenever he wanted to. I never have heard a logical explanation. Why does there have to be these sacrosanct signing periods? And I and I retweeted that with kind of a smart-alecky comment of, uh, basically, it's to protect kids from the, you know, what's it going to take to get you in this car today sales pitch, and I had P.J. Fleck right in mind. I mean, you need to get a little time so these kids aren't in high-pressure sales situations from adults. Yeah, I agree, and that's that's you're you hit, you've done, been doing this long enough. You hit the nail right on the head. That's there needs to be some type of regulation and control over this whole thing. So uh, yeah, you can't, it can't be the wild west and just okay, you know we you know, we're I, that would not be a good scene right, right. To, to have guys doing the doing. Uh, is it who was in the uh, speaking of old movies used cars was that uh kurt douglas and, <laughs> was that the title of the movie kurt russell yeah used cars kurt russell was in it it's like a 70s movie but it's there, a lot of old school 70s uh actors when that may have been early 80s but that always comes to mind when i think of used cars yeah i kurt russell there's one movie for him and one movie well two actually big trouble in little china and uh escape from uh, new york snake plissken I thought you were going to say overboard no. with gold on. No, no, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Although I think I, that was on HBO a lot when I was a little kid, and she had a rather revealing swimsuit on that uh, that stands out in my mind. So, um, Tyrone Tracy, wide receiver from Decatur Central in Indiana. Uh, Iowa did seemingly well in Indiana. Maybe we'll have more to talk about from Indiana next week uh, as well after these late signings come in. But this is a kid, he and his dad active on Twitter. They've been a, a very vocal members of this recruiting class uh, and proponents for quite some time. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be converting from more of a running back position in high school. Um, where he played at Decatur Central in Indianapolis area. Um, he rushed last year for 1,413 touchdowns and caught 54 passes for 1,116 touchdowns. Very versatile playmaking guy. He was the Gatorade. Samson Evans was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Illinois. Uh, Tyron Tracy was the Gatorade Player of the Year uh, in, in, in Indiana and a very good year for Indiana football, especially in the Indianapolis area. Um, he's, uh, I think I had him as most intriguing in my superlatives just because he reminds me, Mark Morehouse brought this up yesterday. He brought the, the J.D. Spielman comp up from Nebraska. Um, and I saw J.D. when he was high school, in high school. I scouted one of his games uh, before um, Iowa played at Minnesota one Friday night. Um, and he, he they, 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 that is a good comp by Mark. Um, I also see, and, and dare I say this, I also could see him converting into being a DJK-type receiver. Um, he's got that type of speed. He's got that type of uh, playmaking ability. Playmaking ability, yeah, in space. I don't want to put that tag on him yet, but I could see that kind of being a comparison for him. Just looking at as a kid that doesn't that wasn't exclusively a wide receiver in high school uh, and played more of another position as Darrell did at quarterback, uh, you know, coming out of Ohio. But um, I think Tracy could be a guy that that helps right away. I, I really do. I mean, Darrell 
simply one of the most productive offensive players of the Ferentz era. Uh, you know, despite the things that maybe happened off the field and despite how controversial he was at times, uh, at least certainly in there, uh, dude was a playmaker. Uh, no question about that. So I'd sign up for that. Rob, we, we made it through all the kids that, uh, has sent in their NLIs at least to date. So, um, you, you Can we hit on bonus. Uh, the only one that's still out there is uh, Drake Stoops, uh, receiver from uh, Norman North. I'm, I'm sure people know uh, know the background here and the name and when all you that. You say still out there? What do you mean? He has not decided to commit yet. Um, he's still. We've had we had a story on him after his official visit. Um, he has not decided whether he'll sign in this period or take it to February. So. He has the option of walking on at Oklahoma and getting his school paid for um, because Bob was a uh, uh, employee there. I don't know if it's a length of being an employee, uh, but as, as he explained it to me, it's like getting a scholarship going to Oklahoma because they don't have to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's been told uh, by the coaching staff there that they feel good about him being able to earn an athletic scholarship. So he's kind of weighing that. He's still, he also has Ohio that he officially visited um, and another – um, you know, mid-major uh, FBS program, but uh, it, it seems like it's Iowa or Oklahoma for him. I just thought, I'm not sure if he uh, is ready to make his decision yet. But we can. I, I haven't been on Twitter since we've been on here, so maybe he's committed while, while we're doing this mm-hmm. podcast. Kind of like Craddock came out of nowhere today. I would tell people to just keep an eye on it the next couple days. If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't uh, end up signing. Uh, this early period, he certainly is a, is a possibility for the late period. Um, and then Seth Benson is another kid that Iowa offered on the 2018 class. He's, he's committed to South Dakota. Um, he's a linebacker, um, from, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Washington High School, the, the school that produced the, uh, uh, who the, who are the, uh, the Farniocks, um, uh, the, that Iowa's recruited the mm-hmm. offensive that have been going to Nebraska recently. Um, the best, I would say the best big school program in the state of South Dakota. Um, his, his, um, his dad played at South Dakota. His mom played volleyball at South Dakota. His sister currently plays volleyball at South Dakota. He's, he's been committed to South Dakota since the summer. I talked to his coach the other day and, and we have some stuff on the website. Um, he, his coach seemed to think that it would be Iowa eventually, but the kid, Got the offer on Sunday, I believe, and um, hadn't taken his official visit yet. So he wants to wait till January to take official visit to Iowa. But that'll be an interesting one, John, because I, I like this kid's film a lot. And he's that type of kid that Iowa offers. He comes, takes an official visit here. Somebody else, maybe that, you know, another program, not that they'll steal him away, but could get involved because I was getting, gotten involved with this kid. And, and you've got the whole month of January for other teams to kind of sniff around. Well, you know, that's happened to Iowa as long as I've been covering them, um, and following them, especially, you know, when Bielema went to Kansas State and then was at Wisconsin. Um, it just happened earlier in the process. Iowa would offer kids in the spring and summer, and then that meant automatically that some schools, uh, like Wisconsin, they were just all of a sudden going to offer. It was always just funny how the next day they'd had a, an offer from wherever Bielema was because he was formerly on the staff, knew how Iowa did things and how thorough they were. So uh, we're just now time-shifting it, but you're right. That is true. All right. 
That'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company, Heartland Flagpoles and Flags, as well as the Iowa Pork Producers for their support, as well as Rob for you and your time and you for listening to the HN Podcast.